You're listening to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Some material may be disturbing and we use adult language. Listener discretion is advised. If you love the show, be sure to hit subscribe so that you never miss new episodes. And if you want to support the show, please visit www.patreon.com slash killerqueenspod, where as little as $3 a month gets you early access to shows and amazing additional content. Now on to today's case. Hey. Hey. We are so excited about this episode. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. That's what we've been preparing for. It's been for our whole lives. Our whole lives. The intersection of NSYNC and true crime. Didn't think it would happen. Finally. I know. (laughs) Don't ever forget that this is show business. Always remember that while you're doing your show, your business can be walking out the back door. Well, the boy band craze to me was this amazing time in history that changed everything. We start selling out stadiums, start selling out arenas. You see a girl passed out in front of you, and you're supposed to just keep performing. People were selling a million records a week. Like, nobody had ever seen sales like this before. And what a lot of people don't understand, the man responsible for this was Lou Perlman. Presario behind Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Lou was head of our family. We would have dinners, we would tell him everything. This guy is the guy pioneering music on the radio. Things were going great for us. This was gonna be our first check presentation. A lot of money now, this is gonna be nuts. I open up the envelope, I see the check, and oh my gosh, like my heart sunk. I, I couldn't believe the number I was looking at. There was this person that I had all this complete trust in, suddenly the carpet just got ripped out from underneath us. You sell almost 10 million albums. I could have made this much working full-time at Starbucks. Something isn't adding up. Lou's getting paid, promoters are getting paid. The deeper they dug, the worse it got. Never in a million years thought a person that I entrusted my life with could do something like this. It went from Jolly Lou to like, I don't give a fuck about you right now. Then to find out how many other people this thing that he did affected. One of the FBI agents I did a lot of work with, he looked like he had a bank fraud case involving Lou Pearlman. Webs upon webs of robbery. Every parent is protective of their child, and I was so angry. It was all truly criminal. He would use his power and influence to try to manipulate young performers. Uh, It's not for me to decide, man. He terrorized me. If Lou didn't feel bad, then he's a monster. Lou gave us all the ability to have life today. I wonder how he could sleep at night. Lou has all the power. A man who had everything. He stole my life. Had the world in his palm of his hand. I just wanted to kill him. I gotta take a break for a second, guys. All right? Yeah, I, I just need to. The people who are fighting me, fighting me, Damn, damn sorry. We're doing boy band con. Woohoo! I'm so excited. I am so, so, so excited. So if you want to watch it, you can go. It's on YouTube Premium. Yes, and a little known fact, if you remember to cancel things, you can get <laughs> Premium, YouTube Premium for a month for free, like a free month's trial, but... Um, I'm probably going to have it for life, so exactly, I yeah. will not remember to change that. Hey guys, want to take a quick second to tell you about a podcast that we are loving. A Date with Dateline is hilarious. 
Um, I laugh my ass off every time I listen to it. And even if I miss the Dateline episode, Kimberly and Katie recap the whole entire thing with their hilarious commentary. So you don't miss any details. Check it out. Diabolical. Vengeance. Betrayal. Bad hair. Leaning. Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And we have a weekly podcast called A Date with Dateline, a recap of Dateline episodes. We talk about important issues like grainy surveillance footage, cell phone towers, Andrea Canning's white jeans, and Mankey's hankies. We delve into the details of any victim who's ever loved life or lit up a room. So find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and iTunes to make A Date with Dateline. And remember, don't watch alone. A Date with Dateline is a podcast hosted by two professional amateur true crime TV experts with no formal training, but evidence lockers filled with snark and uninformed opinions. Okay, so launching right into it. We first open up with people <laughs> kind of giving their opinions, I guess, of Lou Pearlman. Do it. Um, poor, poor Aaron Carter. Woof. It's just like, he's a shell of a person and he's so aggressive when he talks and just like, really upset that's it. the first you see him is he's crying and he's like I don't know where I would have been if not for Lou Pearlman and he's like very obviously in love with this man yeah and like he he's talking about like where would I have ended up today in jail or something and I'm thinking you're not do jail would probably be the best thing for him he looks like something that you pull out of a drain when you're like cleaning <laughs> the hair out that's kind of what I'm sorry that's what he looks like Ouchie. It's true. I He's got beautiful teeth. Hold though. my tongue. Yeah. The veneers were great, man. Yeah. Wish I could afford that. So oh, right. then the opening credits happen. Yep. <laughs> they open <laughs> sure do. with credits <laughs> and they play Dirty Pop by NSYNC, which is not my favorite NSYNC song. Like, I'm just going to put that out there. Like, I'm sorry, but because I mean, if we're talking about it, since we are talking about it, we are. Let's just Let's just call a spade a spade. It's not their best song. It's not their best song. Um, but my heart was fluttering. Uh-huh. I was oh. just like, like I felt like my heart beating a little bit faster. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It was just like, they were like showing all these appearances on TRL and like, you know, all of the hype that came with the boy bands. And I was like, I remember this. I remember saving all of my money to buy NSYNC postcards. I had a book full of them. Oh, yes. I'm sure you were like, when, well, yeah, I guess both of us when we were watching it probably were like, oh my gosh, and started screaming. <laughs> and then we just passed out because we were so excited. Basically. To see yes. yes. So it it just it just brought me back. That's mm-hmm. all. And uh, Lance Bass looks like a million bucks. He looks so good. He and it's great. I was not wrong for choosing him as well a would be lover hmm. way back when I was a tween. <laughs> yeah, if a sexual relationship is not important to you. It's not important to me. <laughs> it's like the object of my affection. I know. He was so cute, though. We wore a lot of makeup, but he was very cute. A lot of makeup, yeah. But he was. He was very cute. Still is. Still is. Yeah, he looks great. So Ashley Parker Angel from O-Town is up first. And it's cool, like, some of the people that you they you hear from, mm-hmm. that they actually got to talk about stuff. Um, I'm a little disappointed that JT isn't in it, but... Oh, I know. Exactly. And Joey. I know. Ashley... Is a hottie with a body. Yeah, he is. Has been. Always has. Always, always will be. Yeah. Yes. He's, uh, he's a 
hot looking dude. He also is very well spoken. Oh my gosh. Love him. Yeah. So well spoken, articulate. The way that he said things was just really, it seemed like it was really thought out. I mean, it could be good editing. I'm going to have to try and edit this a lot to just make us sound like we even know what we're saying. Good luck. Yeah, this is not going well. Okay. So he talks about auditioning for making the band, which I 100% forgot about (laughs) and uh, having the chance to meet Lou Pearlman in the bathroom. Well, he says that he was really, really excited to see Lou Pearlman and he was trying to kind of have like a private conversation with him. So he follows him and he's just joking and like, you know, calling recalling the story but he's like yeah I kind of stalked him into the bathroom like yeah I I went in there just so I could talk to him he's like I I thought that would be the perfect opportunity to have a conversation with him both just I mean it's a valid point hanging out hanging out with peeing yeah (laughs) just uh just having some talks having some talks yeah so then we see the co-founder of teen people god what a great magazine I have so many Teen People magazines. She also looks, I feel like she looks like my age yeah, I was gonna say, now. She looks too young to have started Teen People in 1998. Yeah, like how the fuck old was she then? I know. 12? She was 12 the fuck years old. <laughs> she literally does not look older than me, Mm-mm. I feel like. Like maybe, maybe a was, couple years older. Maybe it was like her high school uh, class project or something. She's like, I think I'm going <laughs> to start a magazine called Teen People. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she definitely is from New York. You can tell she has like that accent, the way she says stuff like, mm-hmm. like Harry, Harry, I don't know, I can't say yeah. it. Anyway, I, I cannot remember her name. I have it written down somewhere else in my notes. So sorry, Teen People lady. <laughs> I feel like it's like, I don't remember. Anyway, I don't. So we meet her and she says that Lou Pearlman is somewhat of a dichotomy of what a boy band mogul should look like, and then what Lou Pearlman actually looks like. <laughs> and then John Seabrook, the author of Song Machine, calls him a fleshy, jovial, cherubic little guy. <laughs> I don't love the term fleshy, if I don't I'm being like honest. It. I don't like it. I don't like that. No. Even, I feel like Lou Pearlman should be a little offended. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not a good word. A lot of flesh there. Yeah. So you see photos of Lou with NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. And I mean, it is weird to see them together because there's these like five mostly hot dudes in each band. I'm going to go for a a different boy band reference, but they're five bad boys with the power (laughs) to rock you. Oh, they sure are. (laughs) Um, And then there's Lou. Mm -hmm. The fleshy old Lou. (laughs) Who's clearly much older. Yes. Balding happy he's happy in all of the photos sure he looks very like much the life of the party happy and smiling all of the time (laughs) and um so yeah i mean it is a little bit of a a strange juxtaposition good term good word (laughs) so we learned that lou had a mansion that looked like a theme park the pictures of it were amazing they really were they even did like an overhead like aerial view or whatever it Mm -hmm. was really neat it was beautiful it's so big it's ridiculous how big it is <laughs> it's kind of weird though like whenever they were talking about the innards of the i wanted to say innards obviously. of the mansion <laughs> you're not uh, impressed with it obviously <laughs> but it, they were like it kind of reminded me a teeny tiny little bit of like michael jackson's mansion because yeah he had a old school 
like um vending machine or something. They he had stocked up like apple juice and and yoohoo and you he had fridges full of apple juice and yoohoo i'm like who are you trying to attract here five children even teenage boys like 18 year old guys and 20 year old guys don't drink yoohoo lance was only uh he was only 17 when he was in the band like started in the band or whatever the only adult i know that drinks yoohoo is chandler (laughs) (laughs) he really did drink it a lot a lot of yoohoo yeah, there's nobody else that does. It's just kids. So mm-hmm. it's really strange. It's a chocolate drink. <laughs> and he had the um, the big swimming pools, the private movie theater. They're all just talking about how basically Lou let them do whatever they wanted to do, that they could just go and like have parties. AJ was talking about how he wasn't even old enough to drive yet. And Lou was like, here, drive my Rolls Royce. Yeah, he would let him drive his Rolls Royce. He would let them have pool parties over there. So AJ's oh. like, ooh, I'm going to have my birthday party. Yeah, he and Aaron, I mean, uh, excuse me, he, he and Nick had like a joint birthday party there and stuff. They invited all their friends over. There's so many pictures of just like guys huddled up together in the pool together. Like, I don't know. It's interesting. That's the, I think that was Lou's dream. Yes. So, his liquid dream. Oh, it's O-Town. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't like O-Town. Um, so, and they had what they called boy band parties. And he was like, yeah, I was like, so cool. Like, we're going to have boy band parties. <laughs> okay. Um, that would have been my ideal kind of party at that point. But I just sure. feel like I Other- didn't know any guys. Even guys that were older than me, that would be like, I want to go to a boy band party. It's just... I mean, even now, it's just not cool. So, and he gave out all kinds of expensive gifts. He would, people talked about, Johnny, the manager guy, said he gave him like a $10,000 watch. Just like, no problem. Just, Mm -hmm. he he was very worried about appearances. Yes. So, we get some information about how Lou started getting into the boy band craze. He, quote unquote, owned an airplane charter business. And New Kids on the Block chartered a plane from him once. And he said he was talking to their manager or whatever. And or somebody, and said, how how can these young kids afford a plane? Like, what the hell is the deal with that? And the guy's like, they sold $200,000 worth of records in, like, the last month or, you know, something crazy. Mm-hmm. And They we- had the right stuff. I'm going to quit. <laughs> I'm going to quit it. It's getting, to, it's getting on my nerves at this point. <laughs> I liked that one. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so Lou Perlman was like, oh, I could do that. I could put together – a boy band and usually i would be because that kind of attitude i'm like okay lou yeah right and then he fucking did it he fucking did it and blew everyone out of the water he did you guys have to watch together because i mean i understood how funny that movie was wasn't didn't mtv make it yes yeah so it was an mtv movie early 2000s right oh yeah like 2001 i think yeah and um, it's basically making fun of... It's like the spinal tap of boy bands. Yeah. So they have the the manager, Bob Buss, and he's going around putting together the boy band and he's, you know, getting the five guys together and he's like we, training them on how to dance and he's like, gotta have the bad boy, gotta have the heartthrob, like he's getting... Gotta have the shy guy. Yeah. The shy and I can't remember who it is, maybe Dave Holmes, but it's somebody in the documentary that's like... A boy band is usually five, sometimes three, never four, for some reason, unless somebody leaves. Usually no instruments. Uh, Sort of club tracks that would have been huge in Europe a few years before. Some involved choreography. All five members have five distinct personalities. They just had incredible charisma, you know? 
and a 13-year-old girl will lose her mind. Which I think he was forgetting about. A little band we like to call 98 Degrees, but... Oh, shit, you're right. Just, you know, big middle finger to them. He was like, you have to have five distinct different personalities. You cannot have, like, two of them cannot be the bad boy. No, and you can only two have of the them one. cannot like the color green. No. You can only have one blue, one green, because what if, <laughs> what if <laughs> there's a girl in the crowd and her favorite color is green, but nobody in together likes green? What does that mean? Nobody loves me. Yes. I'll never get married. And then they fight over, Robin's like, blue, y'all, that's my color. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny, but it's so true because that's the... Lance is the whole reason why during middle school or however old we were, when we liked them, Hunter Green was my favorite color because I changed. I'm I'm not above just changing my likes and interests to fit whoever I'm interested in. Oh, not at all. (laughs) I became super obsessed with Bentleys because it was Justin Timberlake's favorite car. It was like his dream car. And I was like, I want a Bentley. (laughs) I care about Bentleys. Right. I think Lance really liked Taz, like Tasmanian Devil. I'm like, oh my God, me too. Uh, Yes, I remember that. And Justin's favorite color is blue, so... Obviously. That's easy. Yes. Yeah. Baby blue, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's so true. It's like you have to find the one, you know, everybody like in your friend group or like for us, it was our cousins, but you could not like the same one. No, you each had to have the one that you liked mm-hmm. in every band. And even every when we got band. into different kinds of music, because we were kind of still like boy bandish. I remember when we liked Good Charlotte, we each had to pick our favorite one. Yes. I got Joel. Yeah, you, you always got the best one. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Oh, whatever. It's because you're like 18 minutes older than me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just really funny. If you haven't seen Together, got to check it out. It's amazing. It's so funny. It's so funny. It's hard to find, though, and don't try to, like, buy it because you'll spend upwards of $47 on a VHS tape on Amazon. But I don't know if it's on um, YouTube, but I would check there. <laughs> yeah, and it's together. Like the number two. Together together (laughs) okay so then we learn about the origins of each group how each member became a part of their respective boy band so chris is talking about how and i think he was in nashville now because he was wearing a 615 hat oh my god i bet like if he walks down the street in nashville like nobody knows who he is unless you're a 30 year old woman right and they'd be like oh my god it's chris Carpenter. i'd hump his leg for sure. Mm-hmm. 100%. I would be like, call Justin. Call Justin right now. FaceTime him. So um, they're kind of all talking about, you know, well, I knew this guy and then he knew this guy and we met Lou and like all this stuff. And then we meet Lance's mom, Diane. And Sweet. She, oh precious my gosh. Is angel. she not? Yes. She's so precious. Where are they from? They're from Mississippi. Okay. Because she definitely has a southern oh, accent. Yeah. She's a little teacher. Mm-hmm. So we learn how dedicated Lou was to the boys and how he wanted them to be like a family to never have to worry about money. He had them live together in houses so they would really become like best friends, like brothers. And they, they said they really did. Like, yeah. Yeah, they were super into it. That wasn't uncommon because the Spice Girls did the same thing. They had to, you know, yeah. do everything together. Basically. And... um. They also, like, like Chris said, he was working three jobs just to pay the bills, and then he started that, and he didn't have to pay for anything anymore. Lou was like, you can quit your job. You don't have to pay for rent. Like, I'll pay for all that. He paid for them to have vocal lessons and dance lessons and all this stuff. Paid for these lavish dinners that he had, like... Yeah, all these, like, really expensive places they would go out to eat, and he had 
an airplane hangar, like this warehouse. I guess it was for his his blimps. Really? Sure. Yeah. I've never ever. I didn't. I just didn't realize that blimps could be an, a hobby or an interest. But yeah, it's like you see them, but you're like. They're just there. Yeah. Nobody owns them. You don't even think about really like, how did they get there? Do yeah. they fly around? It's just like a fixture in the sky. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, they okay. appear and then yeah. they disappear. And, and you just like accept it. I p- place no value on them whatsoever. <laughs> so apparently people buy them. So <laughs> Lou had a bunch of blimps or something and Slip. had a warehouse. And so they would practice in there. And they said they were practicing like six to eight hours a day. And this is in Tampa, in August, you know what I mean? Like, Orlando. Oh, I'm sorry. Orlando. Sorry. I was thinking about where Aaron Carter would be in jail in Tampa. <laughs> right. Now he's just going to be in jail somewhere else. Yeah. So <laughs> um, Orlando, excuse me. Yeah. Orlando. Yeah. And it was like super hot in August. Chris said, you know, they're like practicing three to six to eight hours a day. No yeah. air conditioning, like all that kind of stuff. Sweating all their makeup off. Oh yeah. And, um, Chris was like, but you know what? It was fun. Like, at the end of the day, it was just fun. Like, we had a good time doing it together. No wonder everybody, they they couldn't help but be super skinny because they were sweating everything off. Exactly. They fingers. all had, like, washboard abs because they're, like, doing hot yoga eight hours a day, basically. <laughs> exactly. Like, what are you supposed to do? Just everybody was, like, we really viewed Lou as, like, a father figure. They talked about how Kevin's dad... Kevin from the Backstreet Boys. I just assume everybody knows who Kevin is. Like, <laughs> I was on board. Yeah. It's, like... Mostly we're focusing on NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. So get it together if you don't know who Kevin is. Um, just <laughs> he kidding. was my favorite from the Backstreet Boys, by the way. Yes, he was. He was. He was cute. He just got a little weird. Well, with the skirts and things. But I like an unconventional beauty, so. That's true. I liked Brian. Of course you did. Just like bland Corn vanilla. Fed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, just, you know, he had the voice of an angel. He really did. They're from Kentucky. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet little angel. So, yeah, Kevin had lost his dad when he was really young, and most of them didn't really have father figures. And I I feel like Lou probably did that on purpose, too. Yeah. Because... Like grooming them almost or something. Like yeah. Like, he wanted to be... He, need, he wanted them to need him or something. Yeah. He wanted to kind of build trust, I think, and kind of get in there, kind of exploit that need for a male... Yeah. Father figure. Yeah. I think so. So, um, they called him Papa Lou, right? Yeah. 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 And Lou, he is, I mean, he was very happy to oblige and become this father figure for them. You know, Mm -hmm. like Lance said, we could tell him anything. We told him everything. Like they were super close. And since they spent so much time with him, of course, you know, but Lou also, it seemed like he was really, really eager to, he just wanted everybody to nobody had to worry about anything when Lou was around because he just took care of it and he was very happy to do so yeah yeah and they they thought all of this was out of the goodness of his heart so they just thought this is you know one of the most generous kindest men we've ever met now we cut to TRL Mm. cue the shrieks the days yes I remember like rushing home well, I mean, as fast as the bus could drive. Right. I'm we like, get like, there, get there, get there, get there, get there. Anyway, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to miss TRL, but... um seeing Carson Daly's painted fingernails. Oh my God, I was so in love with Carson Daly. And like seeing all the hot boys with their shirts off and all the music videos. Yes. 
for like an hour. And even if I had to suffer through corn scats, like here or there, just to get through it, I'm like, it's fine because now I get NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. They're going to be in the rain. Oh, yeah. They're going to have like... Tell me why. <laughs> but shirts off, open. <laughs> yes. That was where I think a lot of... I'm not going to say just people because I'm sure men, women alike popped their first little baby boners was to... Oh, sure. Yes. Definitely. Quit playing games with my heart. Oh, yeah. By the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was a good video. And you wanted to get home to make sure you didn't miss TRL, but at the same time, I knew that as long as I got there before like the number one video... I was going to get to yeah, see you were safe because yeah. I was like, they're going to be number one. They're so amazing. Totally. Except for when fucking Britney Spears sometimes knocked them off the top. Hey, she had good videos though. Yeah, but then I was angry with her because she uh, dated Justin Timberlake. She was my absolute arch nemesis. <laughs> wow. You're really loyal to your mans. <laughs> yeah, and then she cheated on him and I was like, you bitch. <laughs> yeah, well, don't forget Britney. <laughs> then they talk about like how you know they're practicing all the time or whatever and how they are learning to sing and While, not yeah not get winded yeah and the lung capacity on these guys is amazing i never i never really thought about how hard they're dancing mm-hmm. and how like they really don't sound out of breath now i will say some of the footage from backstreet boys aj he oh, sounded really out of breath rough yeah but they're the manager guy johnny was talking about how their focus was not necessarily so much on the performance like obviously they were performers but nsync did more of the performing like they yeah. it was like a they focused show, more on show. the yeah. singing like the harmonies and stuff together backstreet boys did nsync was more on the, yeah. yeah so um but the nsync guys were just like i mean they're they're giving it all they got mm-hmm. and they're not out of breath at all and i walk up these stairs and I can't talk for 10 minutes, <laughs> at least. Yeah, exactly. Like, holy shit. So Lance says that initially nobody at Transcontinental even knew about NSYNC. They didn't want to upset the Backstreet Boys, so they just called them B5 in all the accounting logs. Yes. They, he said they felt like the redheaded stepchild, which reminded me <sighs> of, okay, I remember the specific TRL episode. So NSYNC was there. Mm. They were like on TRL. Oh my God. And there was a No Doubt video okay. on. And I don't remember which video it was. It might have been Don't Speak. I don't know. But it was one where like Gwen Stefani was like brought to the forefront of everything. And they kept getting the guys out of the, like they were, it was like they were taking pictures and they got the guys out. And then Joey said, yeah, that's how we feel with Justin. And Justin was like, oh, man, like, come on or whatever. Oh, but no. he was talking about how they are, like, the background and Justin's the forefront. And yes. I remember that specific episode. <laughs> well, and that reminds me of I saw this thing the other day that was talking about the Pussycat Dolls. And they said um, they were, like, buttons by Nicole sure singer and dancers i was like oh my gosh that's the pussycat dolls that's not just her band yeah but when you you know the lead everybody knows who the lead singer's name is yeah and And friends and they had like 20 (laughs) girls in that group yeah so they said they kind of felt like the redheaded stepchild but the thing that was so weird was and i can understand where backstreet boys would be coming from because lou probably made them think like oh man this is you know you're my top priority. You're awesome. 
love it. We're going to make it big. It's going to be amazing. And then he's like, oh, and also I made another band that's exactly like you guys. And it's your biggest competition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like WTF, Lou. So they said that NSYNC was struggling in the beginning, which... I mean, I don't understand how they Mm -hmm. were the best thing that's ever happened, but um, maybe they weren't wearing enough FUBU. (laughs) That's the problem. (laughs) They needed to up their FUBU (laughs) wearing. Um, They said that they're like where they were on the charts was hovering around like 66 and they weren't really going anywhere. And then they show this home video of (laughs) them in the bus. And it's, I guess it's Lance's mom holding the camera and she's like, look, they're, they're pretending like they have fans chasing the bus. And Justin's like, I can't, I don't even think I can do that country of an accent. But he's like, I mean, he is the country as a turnip green. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, look, Miss Diane, there they are. There's two right there. <laughs> <laughs> they are out there. I see them. Yeah, I see them. Look, it's just like, he's so country. And I feel like they had to have gotten him speaking lessons like Eliza Doolittle or something because. I've never heard him talk like that. Like, that was a home video from right before they got big. And literally any interview I heard with him after that was... How you hear him now. Yeah, did not sound like that at all. Right. Like, I feel like Lou (laughs) took that out completely. Um, But it was so funny. Yes, it was really adorable. Oh, her name's Lori. Lori with Teen People, I knew I had written it down somewhere, said that when NSYNC came out, they looked ridiculous. And she talked (laughs) about their outfits. Oh my God, they are horrible. And I remember like at that time, all the guys had to match or at least be wearing the same color. Like if one of them was wearing denim, they all had to be wearing (laughs) denim. And And like head to toe denim. Yeah, head to toe denim. And it's like one was wearing a vest, one was not wearing a vest, one was wearing a jacket. It's like... Or one was wearing like a vest, but nothing underneath of it. Yes. There's all these combinations of the different types of denim, but they all match. And it was basically like circus costumes. (laughs) And she said, but then when they started to perform, they blew her away. I love that. I love like... Okay. I love boy bands. Like love them, love them, love them. I love any music from when we grew up. It doesn't matter. I'm an equal opportunity lover of it. But it's funny to me that people are talking about it in such a serious way. Yeah. Because it's like, like these guys could really, really move. Like, it was amazing. Yeah, they're like doing these cheerleader choreography moves. And it's just so funny (laughs) because it's like, this is not... Mind-blowing stuff. No, it's not. Yeah, it's really funny how seriously they're taking it. And it's Mm -hmm. like... It's a boy band, <laughs> but they blew her away. She was amazed. Love, love, love it. She started a magazine about it, <laughs> basically. Um, Johnny, this was funny to me too. Johnny, the manager, says that, um, so Backstreet Boys had like a darker image. They wore like darker colored clothing. Some leather even. Even leather, some black. Oh. Black jackets and shirts and stuff. It was That's very, super dark. It was dark. And in sync looked like the boys next door. They had the bright colors on. The bright colors. They wore, you know, jerseys. All jerseys together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like five dudes in a swimming pool. Just wearing jerseys. Wearing jerseys or denim overalls. <laughs> you know, just like the boys next door. Regular stuff. No shirts to be seen anywhere. No. It's just what you do. Just guys that you would look at and you'd be like, hey, does he live next door? Oh. No, that's just in sync. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he lives in my neighborhood. <laughs> He's on my basketball team. <laughs> that's them. So um, 
it was just funny to me how it was like Backstreet Boys had a darker image. I'm like, they're so like cotton candy. I can't even deal with it. What if you told that to like Marilyn Manson or Corn or something? (laughs) What do you think they would have to say? (laughs) Yeah, they would probably die laughing. Get the shit out of here. (laughs) So then there's the Disney show. Mm, I remember this Disney show. I, that's how we heard about them. Oh, for sure. And to say that we loved it and taped it and watched it every day when we had free time, which was always because we were little and had nothing better to do, is an understatement. We watched we, it over and over and over. The shit out of it. Oh we recorded gosh. it on the TV. I remember uh, JC was wearing, it was like a plaid shirt and he had some sort of like a military, almost like a bulletproof vest yeah, yeah, over yeah, top yeah. of it and these massive hunter or olive green like i don't know <laughs> these huge parachute pants yeah like, they look like ridiculous parachute pants. yeah it was so funny and um and they showed like people in the crowd or whatever and there's all these girls i remember watching that and being like how do they already know all these songs because it's not like you could just pull it up on iTunes and listen to an entire CD. Like you had to go Google the lyrics, drive to the damn store and buy it. So it's like, you know, I was like, how do they all know the song? I don't even know who these people are. And then I was like instantly in love. Oh yes. And we watched it all the time. And I remember seeing like the, their parents in the, in the crowd with their kids and the, when they were doing the, Yes, 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 here we go. Insync has got the flow. There was this like one girl who's like doing it and her dad behind her is like, it's got the flow. <laughs> he was like, all right, they're telling us to do it. I'll do it. Like in his head to the beat. Yeah, just like such parent life. It's get ready. I know I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> so um, AJ was talking about how they, they were like going nonstop. Right? Yeah, they were going nonstop. They were doing all kinds of shows. They were doing all kinds of specials, interviews, all this kind of stuff. And when they, Disney originally wanted them to do the special and they said, no, we're burnt out. Like, we don't want to do this. We we need a break. And um, so Disney was like, well, hey, NSYNC, what about you guys? And they were like, fuck yeah, we'll do it. Well, probably Lou Pearlman because he's the Backstreet guy too. Well, sure. Like, I have this other band though, NSYNC, and they'll probably do it. Yeah. It wasn't time for BB Mac and Bewitch to come out yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I did like the Disney Bewitch special. Oh, it was really good. Was it Be- it was Bewitched and Five, wasn't it? Maybe. It was Bewitched and Somebody, and I think it was Five. Hmm. But anyway, yes. And so AJ was like, we had no idea that saying no to one thing would change everything. Well, yeah, because Lori from Teen People was like Backstreet Boys have been working their asses off for years to get where they were, and they turned down one Disney special, and NSYNC blew the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Like, JC was like, we had gone from selling like 5,000 units a week to fifty to 60,000 units a week the after first one. week after that show. I mean, it just jumped up like crazy. We went out and got it immediately. Oh, for sure. Like, and then we just... And all of the memorabilia and all of the shirts and all of the everything. Yeah. And Lance's mom, Diane, said that Disney aired the special every day for at least a month. And I was like, thank you, God. Because <laughs> gave every us day, at least enough time to tape it. Yeah. But so we, we could plan ahead. We could get the VHS in there. We yes. Hit that record button. Like, and then we you're going to want to pop that little safety tab off so nobody was recording over your in sync tapes. Oh, my God. That would have been. It would have been, been the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. 
we'd still be in therapy about it. <laughs> so Backstreet Boys are super pissed. Oh, for sure. I just cannot. I would have. I can't blame them not one little bit for that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not at all. But, and oh, go ahead. Go. No, you go. Ahead. I was just gonna say to that fact, like Lou pitted them against each other. Backstreet exactly. Boys and NSYNC like he would go over to the NSYNC and be like oh man you know these guys and they're so ridiculous and you're my guys and you know really talking them up and pumping them up and then he'd go back over to Backstreet Boys and be like oh man those guys from NSYNC they're so stupid yeah, and they're whatever just, they're not listening to everything I tell them and they're they're saying all this stuff about you and yeah. like all this stuff and um John Seabrook the author said that Lou gave him the analogy about the whole Disney special that or about starting in sync when he already had Backstreet Boys was where there's Coke, there's Pepsi. Somebody's going to do a Backstreet Boys knockoff. So why shouldn't it be me? Mm-hmm. Like he's, he knew that somebody else was going to do it. So why not just capitalize on both of them? It's actually really smart though, because it worked. Oh yeah. I mean, and, it's, yeah, oh, it's a mean spirited thing to do, but it paid off. Exactly. I think it was Lori maybe that was saying like, you could not like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. You had to pick one. There was no liking them both. Yeah. So we were definitely more NSYNC. I yeah. Think. We liked them both for sure. Yeah. I've, I, I really didn't. Did. We did buy Backstreet Boys albums, but I feel like that wasn't until after we got the NSYNC album. Yeah. I think it was like NSYNC was numero uno. Yeah. And then Backstreet Boys. And then Boys later was... we were like, oh, well, we like these songs. So let's get that too. But. I mean, we probably wore the NSYNC one out. Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely remember one of my fondest memories is going to Target and getting a reversible bucket hat. It was white on one side and plaid on the inside and the Backstreet Boys Millennium album. And I thought I was hot shit. <laughs> I was so into it. And I wore that bucket hat the next day at school on a field trip. Oh, so cute. So cute. So cute. Lori talks about record sales and how she was like, you couldn't even imagine the money that these kids were making because or bringing in because record sales aren't what they were then today. Like you can't just or you couldn't just pick one song on iTunes and stream it or whatever. You had to buy the entire thing or singles, but you went out and bought CDs. So like now what was it? What she was the said, statistic? Yeah, she said you people buy maybe like one to two records a year because what you don't even need to. Like now, I mean, even when iTunes came out, I would download CDs on there sometimes, like buy them. But then now that there's Spotify, there's no reason to do that pretty much because mm-hmm. everybody's on it except for Garth Brooks. Ugh. But, you know, then people were buying three to four records a week yes and I remember as soon as we'd go to like Target or Walmart with our family you know our parents would be like okay well we're gonna you know we need to get this or this or that and we'd be like bye we're gonna be in the CDs catch you later like that's where we're (laughs) gonna spend our whole time and we'd just like go through CDs and and I was sometimes like I didn't I don't know I've kind of still always been this way if I want something new I will have something new like I'm not gonna be like well, I really didn't find anything. We'll just not buy anything. I'm like, no, if I spend enough time in this aisle, I can find something to buy. Yeah, so exactly. it was like that way with the CDs. What too. do we need? Even if it was like a EP, you know, just like a single basically. Yes. I remember polling mom one time and I was like, should I get the Goo Goo Dolls CD or S Club 7? And thank God mom went with Goo Goo Dolls. But oh my God, that would have been such a waste of money. <laughs> um, so she talks about how they never got a day off. So she's like, they're bringing in all this money. They are working 24-7. They never got a day off. And if they did, I had them for a photo shoot. 
and they're they're working their asses off and to them they were like our life was free so and we they kept thinking the money is going to come the money is going to come like eventually we're going to get this big check or whatever and they were getting a per diem so he Lou paid for all their food their living expenses their hotels their flights all that kind of stuff and then they got about $35 a day which to I mean like I don't know. That would have been like a lot of money to me. Oh, yeah, exactly. And Lance was like, then it was definitely a lot of money to me. Yeah. And he was like, you know, but at the same time, we were selling like millions of records. And like never having a day off. So then Lou takes them to his favorite restaurant in L.A. And he... Wasn't that the Lowry's? Yeah, Lowry's. Which I've got Lowry's seasoning salt. And I had no idea that it was a fancy restaurant because I'm that poor <laughs> I was like I bought their damn seasoned salt at Kroger dollar ninety nine um I didn't even know it was like an actual restaurant and now we the more you know the more you know yeah so yeah Lou brings them to this like lavish expensive super nice like family style um dinner at Lowry's and he puts out all of these checks like for you know Justin gets a check Lance gets a check Jay's yeah. Jay-Z gets a check everybody gets a check and they brought their parents with them like he had yes. them bring their parents it was and a he's big like, deal yeah this is your first big check like yes and they knew that they had sold over 10 million records and his mom was like you know we're trying to do the math like what could the number be what yeah could what could be? the number be and they were thinking like even if it's a million dollars that they made in profit and they have to split that five ways that's still two hundred thousand dollars like a lot. yeah yeah and that was like the lowest they were thinking is there like 10 million records like come on and each record was not a dollar. So yeah. there's got to be a lot of money coming. And then Lance says that he opens the check and he looks at the number and his heart just sinks. And not to sound ungrateful because $10,000 is a lot of money. But when you compare it to how many hours that we had put in to this group for years, it didn't even touch minimum wage at all. And everybody was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? So AJ even says, like, they're having trouble making car payments. They are checking their bank accounts, and there's not money there. And they're thinking, we've been selling a lot of albums. You know, like, where's the money going? And Chris said they're working 18 hours a day, and they couldn't make sense of all the huge contracts that, you know, these contracts were, like, so many pages long. They're exhausted by the end of the day when Lou presents them with these contracts. And so they just sign their name and go because, again, they have complete trust in this guy. They're all really young. They've never worked in in entertainment before, really. This was all their first big break in it. And JC was like, well, maybe this is just like food money. Maybe this is the way it's supposed to be, that you don't get something until further down the road or, you know, whatever. He was like, I just thought maybe this is just how it works and I just didn't know it. And... Lance wasn't having it. He said he got back to the hotel that night and he ripped it up. Like he was pissed and he was like, there's something wrong here. There's, he's lying to us. There's something going on. Mm -hmm. And JC said he didn't have the money to hire a lawyer, obviously because he sold 10 million albums, but can't (laughs) hire a lawyer. But his uncle was a lawyer. And so he looked over the contracts. Uncle Shazay. (laughs) Uncle Shazay said, (laughs) y'all done got a bad deal. Yeah, y'all done got got. Yeah. And he said, this is a horrible contract and you need to get out of it if you can. And so AJ explains kind of this 
sixth man deal, which I'm not bright enough to quite understand. I mean, I kind of get it, but I don't know. So Lou made himself the sixth member of the Backstreet Boys. He did this with NSYNC as well. He did it with all of the bands he did. He was the whatever their number was, he was the other one. So he was supposed to be like an equal part in the band. So just something that they said he really, really wanted to be anyway. Like he wanted to be one of the guys in the band anyway. Yeah. It was like his dream to be up there on stage with them. Like he wanted to be somebody that women were fawning over or people. I don't know, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, but he wasn't, he wanted to fit in, but monetarily he also wanted a cut and he wanted to make sure that he didn't get screwed out of that cut, I guess. So, and he kind of billed it to them as you won't have to pay for a manager. Like I'm not going to charge you to be the manager. I'm just going to be the sixth man or whatever. So you're just going to split your profits with me. And I think he kind of billed that as, you know, I don't make money till you make money and all these sort of things. So, you know, this is the way to go. The sixth man is the way to go. Like it definitely is going to save you guys money and all this stuff. And they're like, okay, that sounds good. Yeah. And we're 17. We trust you. Yeah. And Lance is like, he sold us a bill of goods because there was nothing to that strategy that was beneficial to us at all. And Lou told them that they had so much startup debt that it'd be a long time before they saw any real money. So I think that's probably where JC was like, well, you know, maybe further down the line, we get more because he kept talking about how they had to pay all the startup stuff back. They were in so much debt. They were lucky to have gotten even that $10,000. You know, that was amazing that they even got that. And once the lawyers were looking over the contracts, they learned that that wasn't the case. There was just basically Lou was taking all the money. He was Mm -hmm. keeping it for himself. And everything that they thought that he was paying for for them, they were paying for themselves. Exactly. Like they were saying all these big fancy dinners that we were thanking him for, you know, thank you so much, Lou, for taking us to dinner tonight. You know, they're all like feeling almost like guilty for how much money Lou spent on them for dinner. And they didn't realize that that was their money and they were paying for it. So So crazy. Yeah. So Backstreet Boys kind of figured the same thing out around the same time. They started realizing the same sort of thing. And AJ said Brian was fucking livid. Mm -hmm. And he was like, we're filing a lawsuit. We're suing him. This is ridiculous. He's been lying to us. We're suing him. So they figured out or decided that they'd either have to find a way to make the contracts more fair, which Lou wasn't going to go for, or they had to get rid of him altogether. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we see Lynn Harless. And I was like, oh my God, it's Lynn Harless. Uh-huh. Tori was like, I didn't even recognize her. And I was like, as soon as she came on the screen, I knew it was her. I was like, oh my gosh, that's her because she was my future mother-in-law. And I would recognize her curly hair anywhere. That's Justin Timberlake's mom. Oh, yeah. Just Nobody Timberlake's knows mom. that yet. So sorry. Yeah. Lynn Harless. Do you guys not love Justin Timberlake? What's going on? <laughs> so um, Justin Randall Timberlake. Yes. From the ghetto of Memphis. I remember he said that in that book. And I would say that all the time. Like, he's from the ghetto of Memphis. (laughs) There are plenty of those in Memphis. Yeah. So she said she hated Lou for what he'd done. He'd taken advantage of her child. You know, she's like, you want to protect your kids. But, I mean, they all trusted him. And she's like, I hated him. They... They were all really hurt by that, too. Well, because he built such a relationship with them, and 
they thought of him as a father and yeah. then he just dicked him over. Yeah. You realize that this person doesn't really care about you. They just see you as a commodity. Basically it's, mm-hmm. it was, it was hurtful. And I kind of feel, I mean, I feel bad for him. Cause it's like, like you said, they, they really trusted him. And for somebody like Kevin, who thought he had found a person, you know, that could replace or, or at least fill a void mm-hmm. that he had kind in that relationship. In. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's really sad. So, and the way that Lance described how Lou felt. So when they figured this out about him, he didn't care. He didn't feel bad about it. He was really more like you, I made you who you are without me, you would have nothing. So he really believed that since it was basically his idea or he put them together that he deserved more money than they made. It didn't matter that they were the ones sweating their little asses off for eight hours in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, you should be grateful for what I've, what I've given you now. Like you should be like, don't bite the hand that feeds. Yeah. Like you should be lucky that you even got $10,000. Like you could have nothing. Do you want, do you want 10% or you want nothing? I mean, those are are your options. options. So he thought, you know, he just, he should be the one to get everything. And Lance said he went from Jolly Lou to, I don't give a fuck about you right now. And he said that once they started these like renegotiations or, um, the mediations and all that stuff with the lawyers that he never saw Lou smile again. Like he never smiled at him again. And it was, that relationship was completely cut off. Like it had never happened. Scary that somebody can turn that on and off and just be that cold hearted when they don't get their way. Yeah, exactly. It's like now you're completely dead to me. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's definitely a sociopath. Oh, for sure. Cause he, he doesn't care when he got caught obviously stealing and then he would do media interviews and and say you know how I mean the documentary opens up with audio from him saying how could anybody even do all the things that they're claiming I I did did. like how could just one person pull all that off basically it's not possible and he did a lot of interviews saying you know I'm the one that put them together I made them who they are and I always went over contracts with everybody over and over and over. I'd put people to sleep just explaining, over explaining all the details so that they understood and their parents understood and all this stuff. So I mean, he's just like all out lying. Yeah. Who, Lou, who would have actually agreed to that kind of contract had they known what they were getting themselves into? Like, yeah, I'll um, work myself to the bone for like pennies. That's fine. Yeah. Like you keep all the money just as long as I get to like live somewhere where you deem appropriate. Yeah, just be in your presence. That's all I really care about. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. Now they're afraid that this is the end. Like, Lou was the person that put it all together. What if they do go to court and they can't get out of this contract? Because he tried to, like, copyright the name. You know, like, it. it sync was his name. sync was his band. Backstreet Boys, same way, you know, like, yeah. Could they do it without him? Because he tried so desperately hard to not make it yeah. a thing. Yeah. And he they were just worried that they'd basically lose everything. Like all the work they'd done would, would be over with because Lance said they were in a meeting with he said their boss, so I guess it's somebody over the record company or something. I don't know. He didn't specify who, but he said that that guy was like, Yeah, I mean I'm siding with Lou, like, you're fucked. Like, yeah, you're going to lose. 
And he was like, you guys probably got one more album in you and you're done. So I don't need this anymore. So Lance was like, you know, we didn't really know who he was because we thought this person that we knew was a kind person who genuinely cared about us. And now he's treating like treating us like he never cared about us at all. So we just we really figured out the hard way that we never really knew him. Mm-hmm. And then they take us to Queens. So now we are getting some of Lou's backstory. And they're talking to people that Lou grew up with. We see childhood photos of him. Uh, one guy said that Lou wore a pencil protector and polyester <laughs> pants up to his boobs, basically. I mean, he was... Those pants were high. They were very high. There yeah. was no room for the boys to breathe. No. And um, they said that he really only had one friend, and that friend was Alan Gross. Precious. Yes, he's so precious. And Lou didn't really fit in with the other kids, and so really, he and Alan were were BFFs. They had similar interests, and yeah. So kids knew that... Lou spent a lot of time making business plans as a child. He would, like, be locked in his room for a long time just drawing up business plans and figuring out how he could make money because he didn't come from money, I guess. So he, like, really wanted to. It reminds me of the other guys where he was, like, at nine years old, (laughs) I audited my parents. And there There were were some discrepancies. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty, yeah, that's exactly like it is. Always got Little River Band (laughs) queued up. (laughs) That's Lou, basically. So he he was really concerned with making a lot of money. And and I think he did. I mean, if he spent time as a child drawing up business plans, then he definitely had an entrepreneurial spirit or whatever. Sure. Uh, but there was one story in particular that Ashley Parker Angel said that he would always tell to really like showcase his business prowess that like show that he was this child business prodigy, even at a young age. Goes a little something like this. Lou's friend Dave had a paper out and Dave didn't want to do the paper out anymore. So he offers to sell it to Lou for $500. Then Lou decides, why buy just one route when I can buy a bunch of routes? So he buys several routes. He pays these kids to deliver the papers for him, but then he takes it a step further. Then he creates a fully customized newspaper delivery experience for his customers, writing up index cards for every person with their delivery preference, under the mat, under the door, in the door, however you want your newspaper. You got it. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. Uh-uh. Then he strikes a deal with Dunkin' Donuts to have Sunday brunch delivered to the customers with their paper. So now, I mean, this is genius. Right. Right? I would live for that kind of service. Absolutely. So now he's made enough not only to pay the $500 back with interest, he's making a huge profit because he's made this entire business with employees, basically, with the newspaper service or route that he bought from Dave. Now he has this newspaper conglomerate, basically, type of deal. Yeah. Yes. All for just a low, low price of 500 bucks. Total bullshit. I didn't sell him the paper route. He had nothing to do with the paper route. We didn't have the ability to sell paper routes. <laughs> I, I don't know... You can't buy a newspaper route. <laughs> you can't buy. You can't sell it. You no. can't buy it. 
but Lou lying about this kind of stuff is not new to the kids who grew up with him. They're like, he, he made stuff up all the time. And the thing about Lou was you pretty much knew that what he was telling you was the line of bullshit, but sometimes you would like go through with whatever it was just in case. So he kept telling everybody that his cousin was Art Garfunkel. From Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. And they were super popular around that time. Yes. Very popular. And he kept telling people like, oh, you're going to want to come to my bar mitzvah because he's going to be there. You're going to see him. And a lot of kids were like, what a crock of shit. Not going to that. Don't want to go to a bar mitzvah because Art Garfunkel is most definitely not going to be there. And Dave was like, sure enough, halfway through. Here comes old Art Garfunkel. <laughs> he shows up. Say. It was hard to say. I know. I kept thinking I was going to mess it up. Um, but he showed up. And so that was like the one thing. So that's what Lou would do, though, is he would tell all these like grandiose stories, make up all these big things, and then pepper in just a little bit of truth. So every once in a while, he would tell something that was true that he could back up with fact to get people to keep believing him. Yeah. Like, okay, well maybe that was true. So maybe what he's telling me now is true. Maybe I should believe what he's saying. Right. So Garfunkel showed up, you know? Yeah, exactly. And Lance says that art was lose in like that was his in for the popular crowd. That's how he really got into the music business thing. That's how he got to meet people in high places basically like it was just he exploited that connection as well and Alan says that he and Lou when they were young um were super into blimps yeah talk about talk about a guy who really loves his blimps (laughs) (laughs) yeah they both uh they both just really liked the blimps so um he word blimps is kind of hilarious it's so funny and i never ever in a million years imagined somebody like being in them (laughs) subscribing to blimp (laughs) yeah basically so he said that he worked for good good year lou worked for good year initially and he saw the potential to use blimps (laughs) commercially like and so they started their own company it reminded me of it reminded me of the out of towners where um when Steve Martin gets super high on drugs or whatever and he's like the tongue is unused advertising space it's always out there like it's always there you should put stuff on tongues and like he's freaking out about the tongue thing but that's what Lou did with the blimps he's like these blimps are huge and they just float around in the sky slap your logo on it like (laughs) it's day and night advertising all day all night it's in the sky people look at them you know sure they do they don't flip the channel if it's a commercial they're like hey look at that blimp (laughs) and they're looking at it wow what a blimp (laughs) that's a blimp (laughs) So, (laughs) so he saw the potential and companies like mcdonald's jumped on the bandwagon there were mcdonald's blimps interesting just <laughs> blimps, blimps. Um, <laughs> so they started their company and it was called lou, blimps rs <laughs> no, i'm kidding lou bought a blimp yes which they called airships 
Yes, that's a much cooler name. I would think so. So we bought this airship that no, was on its... Go back to blimps. It was such a blimp. It was on its <laughs> last leg. It was the blimpiest blimp there ever was. And it was falling apart at the seams, basically. And so Alan knew that that blimp could not make the trip from wherever it was to New York City, like Jersey or whatever. So... <laughs> so Lou promises this blimp to Jordash... <laughs> because their top of the line marketing is blimps and they were having this big promotional party and then it was going to be like this thing where this blimp painted in real gold oh, flakes yes, yes, or whatever yes. was going to fly in with the Jordash name on it and everybody would be like I want those jeans Jordash get a load of that blimp <laughs> <laughs> so I can't get my shit together about the the blimp blimps. crashed <laughs> A blimp crashed in the, the trees. blimp massacre. Of yeah. <laughs> it was all over the news. And they were like, this just in. The blimp crashed into the trees, never even made it to the promotional party. So it didn't make it there. No. Jordash was fucking pissed. <laughs> and Alan felt very betrayed. Yes, he did. Because, because he knew, he knew that blimp wasn't going to make it. And Lou did it to commit a little insurance fraud. Because yeah. the blimp was insured. He bought it for $10,000. And insured it for like five, three million, three million dollars. Yes. Yeah. And he insured it for $3 million like a week before he knew that bitch wasn't going to make it mm -hmm. wherever it was going. So, but, and then he covered it in gold. Big old blimp bitch wasn't going <laughs> to make it. So he like spends, I think they said it, he spent like $50,000 on the gold painting or whatever. No, um, what is it? Spared no expense. Yeah, he spared no expense, and then he got $3 million out of it. So... If he just stayed in the blimp business that way, he business would be booming. Sure. And Alan said after that, he started asking a lot of questions and was like, you know, what and is this all about? Alan's such a sweet, like, delicate, very... I don't know. He's not aggressive at all. He's just so, like, sweet and soft, you know? And he's like... Well, then I just started asking questions. Yeah, he's like, like, Lou, I, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with what's happening here. And Lou was like, fuck you. Yeah. You're asking You're dead questions. To me. You're going to ruin it for everybody. <clears throat> and kind of made, kind of made some veiled threats to him. Like, you know, acting like that Alan was starting this almost like a physical confrontation. And Alan's like, I've never, I'm not a person who's been driven to violence. I'm not going to be driven to violence. This is crazy. I'm not, there's no reason to even discuss something like that. Yeah. Like, like I don't know you where you're getting all this. Of a sudden? Yeah. This isn't, that's not working. So Alan decided to back off from the business. And I think he kind of thought Lou would be like, let's work this out. I mean, We've been friends, friends forever. Yeah. And Lou was like, good riddance. Yeah, fuck he you. Stepped all over on him just to get ahead. Yeah, so in the blimp world. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's a cutthroat blimp business. Blimpy blimp world out there. <laughs> oh my god, it's terrible. Okay, 
pissed. Alan was really <laughs> upset. He was really hurt over that. He'd lost this person who he thought was a really good friend to him. And and that's that's kind of crazy how long Lou kept up the person that he was from the time that he was growing up until this. But I think this was Lou's first taste of big money. And he was like, I don't need Alan anymore. Once he once he got a taste of that, he was done with anybody who wasn't going to get him further in that. Mm-hmm. And Alan to him was a hindrance because Alan was asking questions. Alan didn't want to do anything that was unethical. And that was a problem for Lou. If somebody was going to basically get in his way, even if he's going to do something unethical, he realized that the first time he tried something like that, it worked. So why would he stop now? So he's got to get rid of Alan because Alan's going to ask questions or raise red flags. Mm -hmm. And that was the end of their friendship, basically. So sad. And during this time, he's also selling stop stock options with transcontinental airlines and getting ordinary people to invest their hard-earned money. So these people believed he was successful. He was honest. He had all these proof to show them why their money was safe with him. He had all these FDIC documents and he's like, your money is insured. You know, there's nothing can happen to it. He had letters of recommendation. He had you know, the pictures of the Backstreet Boys and everything and NSYNC because he'd by this point moved to Orlando and all this stuff. So he at that time was still doing the blimp thing, Mm -hmm. but he was getting, he was just kind of expanding, like getting into all these little nooks and crannies to make more money. And people thought he was a big shot. So they trusted him. They thought this guy's got a lot of money. He obviously knows how to manage his money. He's super rich. So why not let him manage our money? And then we meet Chaney Mason, who was Lou's attorney through the NSYNC and Backstreet Boy lawsuits. Boys lawsuits. And this guy's a dick. Mm-hmm. I don't like him at all. No. So he was co-counsel for Casey Anthony. What a... Ugh. In her case. Yeah. With Jose Baez, and he still to this day believes that she's innocent. And I mean, in that Marsha Clark thing that I watched when we covered Casey Anthony, he blamed it on the guy who found Kaylee's body when he went to go TT. Yeah, all that guy was trying to do is a little TT in the woods. <laughs> he certainly did not kill nobody. And Cheney Mason is like, well, I mean. There's only one person that we know that was near her body. And Marsha Clark was like, you're fucking kidding me, not right. Roy Cronk. Like, whatever. So, yeah, he's a douchebag. So, he represented Lou and Transcontinental. And NSYNC's lawyer found an out in the contract. In the contract, there was a stipulation that if they were not signed to an American label within a certain period of time, that the whole contract was basically null and void. Why he did that, I don't know. Thank God he did it, though. Yeah. It seemed like he was very careful to make it so that there was no out. I mean, you would think that if it's so important to him to make sure he gets all the money and he knew that the one way they could break the contract was that, that he would have signed them to an American label, even if it was a little label. Yeah. Or made the contract ironclad where it's like, you cannot get out of this. Yeah. But he signed them to a German one. It's like he fell and hit his head. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) good thing he did. So he, since he had signed them to a German label... They had like a ray of hope. They're like, okay, we could maybe get out of this. So in October of 1999, Lou Pearlman sued NSYNC. He wanted their name because he said he owned the name and mm-hmm. that he was in sync. And he sued them for $150 million. So the judge says to Lou, 
sir, you're saying that you're in sync and these five guys over here are not. But my daughter has an in sync poster on her wall. Don't we all? <laughs> right? Well, you do. And um, I don't see you in it. No. I've never seen your face. No. So these guys are the people, they're the hell people that's on my daughter's <laughs> wall. So you saying that you're in sync doesn't make any sense to me because I don't have to listen to your dumb ass sing tearing up my heart 40 times a day. Yeah, you're just some fleshy guy. <laughs> yeah. You're just some kind of a fleshy blimp guy. <laughs> what do you what do you like blimps or something <laughs> so um she ended up siding with NSYNC and they were out of the contract and so for the Backstreet Boys they said their deal went a little bit differently they did put aside the one-sixth for Lou and basically paid him that money and then they terminated the contract and didn't have to move forward with him at all so at this point, they are now both free of Lou Pearlman. They don't got no strings attached. Bam, bam, bam. What foreshadowing? <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk about no strings attached. Next episode. Yeah, and the rest of the fraud next episode. Bye. If, <gasps> wait, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> if you are a Patreon subscriber, you're going to get this episode right away. The next one. And if you're not, it'll come out next week. So you'll yes. have a week in between. So just to let you know, if you want it now, go to patreon.com slash killerqueenspod. Okay, now. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Get in on the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at Killer Queens Podcast and join our Facebook discussion group at Killer Queens Podcast where we discuss cases covered on the show and all things 90s. If you want to submit a case to be covered on the show, visit www.killerqueenspodcast.com slash case submission and complete the form. If we cover the case, we'll even give you a shout out on the show. Lilas! Lilas. <laughs> <laughs>